0: Inside Sources. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Well, the summer wanes as we get towards Labor Day and ultimately to the fall election season. The midterms will be upon us, and of course, candidates hoping to win are going to have to do what you always have to do in a campaign, and that is get voters to actually come out and, you know, vote. <laughs> There's a new Brigham Young University study that shows significant gaps in voter turnout. Uh, through a a host of things like race, age, party. Uh, We wanted to dig into the numbers. This is a fascinating study uh, with Brigham Young University and the University of Virginia, uh, over 400 million voter records uh, from the elections of 2014 and 16. So this is is my kind of deep dive into the numbers. Dr. Michael Barber, a professor at BYU of political science, he's the co-author of the study, joins us on the line. Professor Barber, thanks for jumping on. Oh, thank
1: you for having me.
0: And first, let's just dive in. The sheer size of this study is uh, extraordinary to me, so I'm really anxious to get uh, some of the key takeaways. Give us uh, us some background there.
1: Sure. So uh, you're absolutely right. This is a massive study. We've uh, collected around 400 million voter records um, indicating whether or not people turned out to vote in uh, 2014 and 2016. So as far as we're aware, this is uh, the most comprehensive look at uh, who votes. And uh, we've got data from every state in the country, um, nearly every registered voter in the country. Uh, It's a a pretty expansive and extensive look at uh, who votes in the United
0: States. And so let's get to some of the the key takeaways from that. Uh, again, I I love the fact that you're you're literally almost going neighborhood to neighborhood, uh, district to district, uh, with the amount of data that you had. So, what are some of the the top line trends uh, that you noticed in terms of who's showing up and actually doing the voting, and and who's uh, not showing up?
1: Yeah, so you're you're absolutely right because we have so many records, voter records, we can really look at an incredibly fine-grained level at neighborhoods and, uh, you know, small communities and see who is voting and who is not. Uh, The patterns that we find are that um, non-white voters uh, tend to turn out at a lower rate than white voters. Uh, People who affiliate with the Republican Party tend to vote more often than those who affiliate with the Democratic Party. Uh, But the biggest differences that we find really had to do with age, and we found that older voters, those that were older than 60, uh, they turned out at incredibly high rates, while those who are younger, less than 30 years old, uh, they were some of the least likely people to vote.
0: Uh, I think that's so uh, fascinating. Having uh, endured a number of campaigns, uh, it always seems again, whether it's a local race or a national race, uh, everyone always has kind of the unicorn of the young people are going to show up for us uh, and actually vote. And what your, your data just confirms that uh, those younger voters uh, may be loud. They may be active on social media, uh, but they don't always execute and uh, and show up in the end.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely right. Um Older voters were more than twice as likely to vote as uh, as younger voters. The interesting thing about that is in a lot of these cases with these other factors like uh, partisanship or race, some of that is due to where people live and the types of electoral environments that they live in. Um, but with young people, young people live everywhere. Um, and so we can't really explain that by virtue of, oh, they tend to live in, uh, you know, less competitive areas, or the uh, the method by which they vote is different. You know, there's young people all over the country, um, and they just don't seem to vote as often as as uh, as their parents and grandparents do.
0: Yeah, so interesting. And and as you look at that kind of neighborhood to neighborhood, I thought this was a really uh, important part of your study. Uh, and that is that you know, in these like neighborhoods, we we do whether it's not just rural and urban. Uh, but just kind of who we tend to live around, they tend to be people that look like, think like, act like us. Uh, So that ends up driving a lot of the voting behavior as well.
1: Yeah, it really does. People tend to live around people who are like them. Uh, And what that means is that people who have a lower propensity to vote, they tend to live around other people who also have lower propensities to vote. And what that does is it can create these geographic areas where turnout is just very low. Uh, And one of the implications of that is that if, you know, if if representatives are looking to Mm -hmm. represent their constituents, as we would hope they are, uh, these areas with really low turnout, they might kind of fall off the radar of elected representatives because Mm -hmm. these are areas where whether, you know, whether a representative is reelected or not, really depends on their ability to get voted, you know, get votes. And if these areas have very low turnout, then they, you know, they might not uh, kind of get the, the, the same attention as other areas that have higher turnout.
0: Yeah. And and going to that point, kind of those turnout deserts versus a, a turnout oasis, uh, it, it, I think there's two parts to it. I, and I'd love your perspective on this, Professor. You, you kind of have the, the we the people component to it, that uh, we the people have to show up if they want change. They've got to show up and vote. At the same time, I also think there are opportunities for elected officials to really focus on, you know, what are currently turnout deserts where the people just aren't showing up uh, and actually invite people to to be part of something. What do you see as the, the opportunities or, or the trends? How do we get beyond those turnout deserts and, and turn them into a, a very active, engaged place?
1: Yeah, I think this is an opportunity that elected officials really have from both parties. Um, and, and, you know, if you're an elected official and you're thinking, how am I going to win my election? You kind of have two routes. You can try to persuade someone who is going to vote, but may not vote for you. Uh, you can persuade them to vote for you. The other option is you could go mobilize a new voter. You can go find someone who isn't likely to vote and get them to vote. Um, and you know, hopefully they vote for you, uh, A lot of research has suggested that that persuasion route is really hard. It's very hard to persuade people. Uh, They tend to be pretty stuck or uh, kind of determined in who they're going to vote for, which to me suggests that it would be really great if politicians spent more of their time and more of their resources on that mobilization aspect, on going and getting new voters uh, to turn out, getting new voters registered, uh, to vote, that sort of thing. That's really, a, I think, a missed opportunity in many cases.
0: Yeah. And many times that uh, that missed opportunity sort of perpetuates the, the divisiveness uh, because then you, you're kind of going for those that are already the known uh, and you know where they fall and what they're likely to do. And so you can kind of stick with the fake fights and the false choices. Are there other things that came out of your study or things that you're keeping your eye on that might help us both tone things down in, in terms of the divisiveness, but also really engage a, a new set of voters who maybe aren't engaged in the process now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the studies that we're doing, that what well, we've, we've done already with these data is we've started looking at whether the way in which people vote impacts turnout. So uh, we've used these same data to look at whether a vote-by-mail system like we have here in Utah, whether that drives turnout higher and whether that tends to mobilize one party over the other. Uh, what we've found is that it, it does tend to increase turnout by a small amount, but still nevertheless increases turnout. The great thing that we've found and other studies have found is that neither party needs to fear vote-by-mail. Uh, vote-by-mail doesn't tend to benefit one party or the other turnout tends to go up kind of equally across the board. And so I think that's an area where politicians of both parties could really get behind supporting, uh, you know, innovations that help to increase turnout and not necessarily worry that that innovation is going to impact their, you know, likelihood of being, you know, reelected or holding the majority or that sort of thing. I think that's one thing Utah has done really well. I think we have a great vote by mail system and, And we have both parties in the state that are pretty supportive of that system. And I think that's really great. Uh,
0: Fantastic. Dr. Michael Barber, BYU professor of political science, co-author of this study. It is a deep dive. This is the hard work and heavy lifting and uh, love that you have all jumped on board. And uh, this is great information for everybody. Uh, Professor Barber, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. All right, uh, great deep dive there. Uh, and as always, it comes back to we the people. You got to show up. You got to vote. If you want to change? You got to engage. That's the name of the game. We'll be right back.